Welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio, the one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. Welcome back once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. I'm your host, David Lewis, and here is where we talk about the methods and technologies for driving growth. Today on the program, I'm going to invite a vice president of marketing from an account-based marketing solution. And I really like that we're going to have this conversation today for you guys, because I was on a call early with a company that was talking about lead scoring and whether lead scoring is still relevant today when we are selling to accounts primarily in B2B. So it's going to be a very interesting discussion, and I'm glad to have you guys on the program with us. Let me introduce my guest, Narosha. So good to see you. Thank you for joining. Thanks, David. I'm looking forward to the conversation with you. I was like I was saying to everybody, I mean, great timing for us to have a conversation about account-based marketing, and especially from someone who is not only a marketing leader herself and having to drive demand and revenue for your company, but a company who makes an account-based marketing platform. So it will be great. And I thought where we'd start today, it's middle of October in 2022, and we're interesting in a period of, are we in a recession? Are we not in a recession? Uh, no matter what the government might say or an official uh, classification, we know that marketing right now is a little bit more challenging than it's certainly been for the last couple of years. So if we could start there, I'd love to talk about, you know, you lead marketing for a B2B marketing yep. technology company, and you have recipes and approaches that you're taking. So would you tell me how you guys are doing great marketing in this current state we're in? Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. We've, I feel like we've been enjoying a little bit of a renaissance, you know, from an economic perspective um, broadly. And um, as I've been with Infly2 uh, for about a year and a half now, and I came on board and I was very fortuitous in having um, a nice budget to be able to basically experiment and try different things. And as we're coming into the the downturn, whether I, I think I say that on every call as well, I'm like, whether we're in, in a, a recession or not, I think we're certainly starting to, to feel it, especially in B2B. Um, you know, I'm starting to really look at um, a lot of our technology and what we're, what we're doing with it, what we have, and how we're getting the most out of it, especially like in the context of next year. Um, I'm looking at like, okay, well, what is it that we need? What do we have? And what features aren't we using? That's one, one place where yeah. I'm kind of looking at things. I think you know, we've had a buffet of all these different MarTech solutions. Totally. <laughs> you know, you can, if you can name it, there's like one thing for, there's one thing for everything. Um, but I, I think what I'm certainly doing, and I think what we'll see in market and what we're probably seeing from a MarTech vendor perspective is people are starting to consolidate it down and really look at, um, you know, what it is they're buying, what the capabilities are, how they're using it and getting the most out of those technologies. So that's one thing that I'm looking at. I think the other part of it as well is looking at your data and making sure that's clean and having that good foundation and base. Like that's, the, I think that's just um, uh, a word that, I, that I've learned since yeah. coming to America. Um, motherhood and apple pie, my, my right. ex-CMO used to say that. And it, it's kind of like it's the foundations. But I think a lot of um, businesses struggle with that cleanliness of data and keeping it up to date and so on and so forth. But I think especially going into um, this economic downturn, your data is going to be the most powerful asset that you have. And being able to 
ensure that it's clean and you can run your programs efficiently. Your sales team knows where things are at in the funnel and you're able to really yeah. um, be agile around how you how you use that data. Um, I think those those two things are something that I'm that I'm kind of looking at in terms of uh, what we what certainly what Influ2 needs to do from a program perspective. Let's peel uh, that back a little bit because I you know this morning was going through my mail after the weekend yep. and I was tearing open all my letters and once again I got two letters from ADT and shout out to them if you're listening to this you got a data issue because I keep getting these letters from them that I have not upgraded my home alarm system. I absolutely have updated my home alarm system. It was done in April. They came out, they fixed it, and there's just a flag in their database that is off, right? And it's unfortunate because they're spending so much money in direct mail and Mm -hmm. call outreach. So that's just one example, but that's not the examples we're talking about. I mean, to do effective marketing, that's just bad marketing, right? Because they're spending a lot of money and I'm already sold, if you will. I mean, they already did the upgrade. So when you talk about the importance of data on the call this morning that I was mentioning when we opened the, the, the program, they were talking about the importance of data that they first want my team to come in and assess their current data state because they want Mm -hmm. to make sure from a scoring, nurturing and account-based approach that they are enriching with the right fields, that they have their data in a place where buying technology or applying technology is going to work for them. So it's given that, you know, you, you. Uh, you have to practice what you preach. So what are some of those data concerns or areas that you would focus in in order to be effective with account-based marketing? I mean, I think like one of the things that we, and we're, I'm by no means, we're we're still working through a number of different issues. I've got to just say that up front. Yeah, thank (laughs) Um, you for being real. Yeah, (laughs) that's the only way I know how to be. Um, But, you know, looking at, okay, well, what's the data that's coming in? How is it being validated? How are we enriching that data and what sources are we using? That's something that has been uh, a, a continual process. So we have a team that actually does that manually. We're also looking at different solutions to be able to, um, you know, help with that. But I think one one thing we found is ha- we have the luxury of having that team to be able to make sure that that data is in there. We did a migration uh, late last year from we were on uh, a CRM called Pipe Drive to Salesforce, and that transfer of data and information you could imagine, yeah, <laughs> uh, comes with a whole whole suite of um interesting problems to solve uh so we're still we're still sort of working through that but uh, you know we're looking at um i think we're using clearbit to be able to help from an enrichment perspective and then we we sort of use our own our own data teams to be able to look at some of that uh you know some of what's coming through and make make sure that we're validating it i think one of the other things that we've seen is you know when you add events into the mix and you're adding all these different channels of where data is coming from to be able to be really precise around where they're coming from understanding okay well how does this get mapped what's existing so on and so forth and it's just basic data validation that i think needs to needs to happen and and that's sort of where we're we're still sort of trying to map some of that having done that migration ourselves we Mm. uh gaia and and many of the folks on our team have done lots of data work even in the most primitive basic way they will take a spreadsheet uh and build a data matrix and those the matrix is the the rows are fields so maybe industry and then the columns are first column is whether that's a required field because not every field that you have in your database you want to actually keep in your database. And depending yeah. on what marketing automation system you use, some of them, if you make a field in Salesforce, 
which you've now moved to, it will automatically create a field in your marketing automation system. Maybe you need mm -hmm. that, maybe you don't. Often cases you don't. So building right. a data table for marketing to say, these are the fields that we have access to. These are yep. the fields with a checkbox that says, we need this field in marketing. And then additional columns for what is the system of record? And so if you have a Zoom info, maybe that is the trusted resource for the industry field. But if you have Clearbit, maybe you're using that for a built with flag in terms of what technologies they're using. So even though you may have multiple data providers, having that discipline to build that inventory for yourself as like a Rosetta Stone of like, this is what we need is so critical. And we have built that for so many clients. And I guess I'm never surprised anymore that it's not in place. And as you know, Narusha, how, how long have you been at Influtu? For about a year and a half now. Oh, perfect. So, I started so supporting my point that a lot of marketers are there two, three, four, maybe five years, a uh, mm -hmm. long tour of duty. If you don't have this documentation in place, not only marketing leadership, but if you're a data operations team or marketing operation team leads, it's, it's a, you know, mystery house in terms of what you've got in place. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And I mean, the thing, you know, and to link it back, you know, as you said, all of these systems, so whether you're using an ABM platform or whatever MarTech platform you're using, they all rely on data. They all rely on that data. So if your data is not clean in those systems, like good luck with having success in getting them those systems to work uh, efficiently. Because especially like when you look at like predictive systems, right. they need to take data that is accurate to be able to put into their models and make accurate predictions, right? right? So it all starts from that. And I think there's an underestimation in terms of the value of, of having those clean systems and investing in those, in those systems from, right. from the outset. You know, there's always, you always want to run, but then it's, you, know, you can't kind of need to come back to crawl a little bit and yeah. re like reorder and do whatever it is. And right. I like, I'm a big believer in that because you can put whatever system in, if your data is not clean, then yeah. good luck. Like, For you guys, who does that role? Who's the role in the organization that, that owns that? And then, you know, depending on the size of your marketing team, yeah. sometimes people wear multiple hats, but who do you assign that as the head of marketing to, to your team? we've got a RevOps team and uh, specifically we've got someone who is in marketing ops and they look after uh, they look after that and it's in it sits in our growth area so being able to to look at do the research do the validation and we're still you know we're still working through that mm -hmm. in terms of camp like the structure and how data is flowing in and flowing out and pulling the reports together we're still we're still it's still a process but I think you know, it's a never ending process, essentially. It's kind of like a website, right? Like it's yeah. not like built, set and forget. Right. Um, never set it, yeah. forget it. Yeah. Exactly. So your database is alive. And as you're growing your program, you need to make sure that you're adjusting your processes and flows and so on and so forth to be able to adjust to it. That's so, critical. yeah. Especially in those environments, like I was saying, where creating fields in your CRM generates fields automatically or automatically, let's say, in your yeah. marketing automation system, if you don't periodically do some housekeeping on a regular basis, keep up with that, the syncs can get broken. If fields then disappear um, that were getting synced or moved from a lead object to a contact object, various things like that, you can really get yourself into trouble if you're not housekeeping. Let's go back and talk about what works in a recession because we didn't dig too much in that. And you've had some success, which is great. Uh, so what's working? What's working? Uh, so we, I mean... 
I think we're still we're still sort of <laughs> heading in, into that. But I think what we have found works, so to, you know, not to toot our own, I'm, I'm biased, but not tooting my own trumpet a little bit. I think during uh, COVID for us, uh, what worked is drinking our champagne. So really using Influ2 to be able to uh, push out and target our audience and uh, look at how we're engaging them and how we're engaging them through the funnel. That was something that was really powerful for us, um, especially because it was very applicable during, during that time where everyone sort of, you know, offline went away, everything was online. You really needed to find a way to be able to cut through and reach your reach your audience. And especially for your sales team mm-hmm. um, you know, who weren't able to fly around to events, weren't able to go to, to meetings for the most part. You know, it was it, it is a very effective tool in being able being able to use that uh, through that time. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what something that really did work for us. You know, our team um, pulled together a campaign. It was called the New Reality Campaign um, to be able to showcase like how Influ2 could help um, through through COVID and help marketers to be able to outreach and reach specifically the targets that they wanted to within accounts. And that the way that campaign worked is, you know, we had our target audience of accounts and then we what we did was we followed them through the funnel. So it was, you know, the net, if they were in, if they engaged with us, it was about providing air cover for our sales, uh, our sales development reps um, to be able to humanize them and be able to, um, you know, give them something extra to be able to to outreach and um, uh, make make those meetings essentially. Yeah. And then when you know that it, we went into a more uh, open opportunity essentially, um, it was about looking at those specific accounts and understanding. Okay, well, what what was um, what are they interested in? What is specific to them? What's their messaging? And how can we tie in something around Influ2 to be able to help? Um, you know, make that message as strong as possible. Mm-hmm. And so it was really, you know, a very high touch campaign in terms of look, uh, working through working through the funnel as well. But that was something that had a, uh, a great success for Influ2 in terms of outreach from uh, being able to, to actually, you know, convert. So, um, yeah, yeah that, that was something that really worked and it's probably something we'll definitely lean into okay. as we go from a messaging perspective as we go into this period because you know I think you're always looking for an edge you're you know we, you have to do more with less that's no surprise in in b2b yeah. <laughs> that's always the case but it's even more so because you're not you're not getting the resources that you want necessarily you're not going to be getting the budget and yeah. so have something that you know allows you to find who you want and engage with them um I think is is going to be super super important one of the things we should do is is invite you guys whether it's someone from your team or product marketing to come on and do a demo of the platform because a lot of people necessarily haven't seen it and one of the things i've been doing on demand gen tv to go along with the podcast on our youtube channel is bring so we did i think for demand base we did like a six series episode we also did that with six cents as well where people could see demos of the application so i encourage any of you guys listening to take a look at that we haven't done that yet with influ too but that's something we need to get to. When you talk about um, high touch and when you talk about establishing an account list, I think it'd be good if we, and everybody's mileage is going to be different, approach is going to be different. How many yeah. accounts are you typically talking about when you want to establish an account list um, to target? That's one of the questions I have. And then the second part of that is 
what are you willing to spend from an acquisition cost either for that account do you establish at an account level or are you establishing budgets at an individual level when you want to do high touch um i mean from a target account list it was we didn't have a very large a very large account list um i think i believe it was like 200 accounts okay. in that campaign. and you can it's imagine funny when you say that Nerosha, to cut you off yeah. some people think not a large list is 20 and i've heard some people say not a large list is 2000 and you're talking about 200 so everybody's again i, I use the word mileage but i don't know what the right word is but everybody's definition of what not a big list but that's for a company like you who are doing a lot of acquisition of new customers as a company to grow and thrive. So 200 was it? 200 plus. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's right. 200 was it? Yeah, that's, yeah. So for, for us, I think, you know, for us, that is a, when you think about like how high touch and how much research had to be done with the campaign, it, that, that is quite a lot of largest because you're not going to get through to necessarily, everyone's not going to be interested um, from that perspective, but when when you talk about cost per acquisition, so we we don't we didn't necessarily base it on that because it was you know I guess a little bit of an experiment in terms of and we're using our own product, so those typical costs aren't aren't necessarily associated with it. Having said that, with Influ two, it is it is sort of a different advert like model from a, uh, an ad tech perspective where it's a flat cost. So it's a subscription and, you know, the media costs are included in it. Okay. Um, and it's based on sort of the number of targets that you and targets being like individuals that you you actually reach out to. So that's that's what the subscription is based on. So it's actually in in essence, like it gives you some control over those ad over those advertising costs, depending on what else is in your mix. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you're doing more broader LinkedIn campaigns and things like that, for example, and, you know, you can spend and burn quite a bit of money and not necessarily know what the results are, but this is a little bit more static in terms of, okay, I know I'm spending this amount, you know, this month and I have X number of contacts to reach um, and it's based. So that's how it's sort of based. What about personalization when when ABM was really kicking off several years ago, people were talking yep. about the degree of personalization, making something mm -hmm. highly personal, either at a company level or individual level. And I've got yeah. some great examples of people that I've had on the program that have really gone to great lengths to make things uber personalized. What are you guys, what's your approach, at least for this campaign that you ran last year? Yeah, so I year? think, yes, it was, it was uh, well, 2020. 2020. Um, through 2020 in like during COVID. Um, so the personalization approach was really at more of the account level. Um, so through the different stages, it was, you know, the first stage was a little bit more broad brush. It was more top of funnel, like to create and understand, okay, what's the problem you're trying to solve? How can we, how can we help you with that? As you move through the next stage of the funnel, it was about being able to reach out to our team and humanizing our team. Influ2 is a remote um, organization and being able to actually put a face to a name um, for our SDRs was really important. And then uh, at the bottom of funnel, it was really more about looking at the account and being able to customize based on, okay, well, what are, what are the um specificities around that account and what they care about so for example we had um you know one of the examples we use is it was autodesk and they do um 3d modeling from what my understanding is don't quote me on that but um they had a t-rex on on their site as a as a example and so our team took that t-rex and sort of adjusted one of its legs um, 
And then the ad that called out like, oh, precision is important to you. It's important to us as well. And, and, and serve that ad to, you know, to the, the, the prospect at at auditor. So it was, it was really, um, you know, quite high touch from, from that, that perspective um, and what we did. But then if we talk, you know, that is, uh, that applies to Influ too, because we and we, and we can sort of get away with that that level of personalization because of what our product is. In terms of actually like looking at, you know, I think what others should do, they need to really take and understand. Okay, well, what are the core problems with with the audience you're trying to reach and the pain points? And I'd either look at it from um, a persona perspective um, to be able to to help and understand and one an articulation of understanding what their pain points are and two, you know, how, how your solution benefits them or will help, help solve that. And that sounds, it sounds like the the most simple thing, but a lot of the time that doesn't necessarily happen. Mm -hmm. And I think from a personalization perspective, um, you know, that needs to apply all through your, you know, your communication channels. It's not just through your advertising, but through your emails, through your outreach, um, whatever else that you're doing, being being able to carry that through, I think is is super important. So that's what I would kind of, I would kind of look at and think about with personalization. Mm-hmm. The other part of it that I love is, you know, it's the ability to be human, right? Yeah. You, <laughs> I think if there's anything with COVID, has taught us like we're human right fundamentally that's that's what we all are and being able to be able to be human and you know not have to sell anyone anything or understand what their interests are or you know know that they've had some milestone in their life and be able to um you know build that relationship and and learn who they are and personalize around that I think in a meaningful way is is very powerful you know, especially through, um, you know, gifting platforms and things like that, which is, that's become, you know, a lot more prevalent. And I, yeah. I love, I, I love direct, I love direct mail. Yeah. I love it when it's done in a mindful, meaningful way. Yeah. My daughter, who I've talked about on the program, I've had on the program, um, yeah. just won an award for the gifting program that she did around innovation. And it's oh. her first marketing award. I'm super, super proud. Shout, oh, out, shout out to Audrey Lewis out there who, I don't know <laughs> if she's still listening to the program, but proud, proud dad. And it, it's, you know, marketing is hard, probably one of the hardest fields because it's art and it's science and, you know, personalization is the art side. So as a marketing leader, you have an account of a target list of 200 accounts who on your team, we talked about the data responsibility, who on Mm -hmm. your team are you finding role wise has that expertise to think about personalization of, of content? How did, how did you accomplish that? Yeah. So um, with, our ABM team um, does look after that and they they exclusively sort of look after our, our campaigns and our platforms and really they work with uh, with the sales team to understand, okay, well, who, who are our list of accounts? Where are they at and what are they doing? And it's I think that communication loop is, especially for a campaign like that, is super important because, you know, you need to make sure that you're moving people through to the right campaigns and at the right stage of where they're at. And then also being able to understand the insights that are coming from the sales conversations to be able to take that and move that through. But they're really the ones that are looking looking at that information and pulling that through. And then we can take and pull that and roll that through into into more high level demand uh, campaigns and things like that. What are you doing in terms of content mix? So 
static content, video, audio, right? We've got so many different forms of content that we can create these yeah. days. Are you finding, you know, what, what's your mix look like if there is a mix and, and what are you finding that's, that's working over or some, some items? Yeah. So, I mean, the, the thing with, when I started with Influ2, um, you know, the reason I was brought on board was because the company is actually about five years old now. Mm -hmm. um, it's not necessarily a super well-known brand within uh, the US B2B uh, marketing and, and sales landscape. Um, so, you know, our CEO, Dimitri, he, he said, when I interviewed with him, he said, I wanted to build something that was hard to replicate and easy to sell. And I was like, cool, I love your thinking. And in theory, like it's, it, it should be easy to sell. But the thing is, I think, you know, he kind of underestimated brand mm -hmm. um, and trust. And so that's what, that's why I was, I was brought on board to build out the marketing function and to really build out around our brand and trust and, and, and product and so on and so forth. Um, so with my content strategy and approach, because it is somewhat of a nascent brand, I've really looked at um, rather than we'll create content, but I want to syndicate that content um, through other trusted channels because, you know, I can create as much content as I like and put one on our website, but if no one knows we're there, you know, and we can through uh, through various demand tactics and activities, but that that takes time, you know, to be able to build up those programs. Yeah. So being able to syndicate it uh, through other other channels, um, I think that's that's really been the strategy in terms of the content. You know, it's been a mix of written uh, audio. We haven't done as much video, but that's something that we are leaning into. You know, I plan to lean into in 2023. I think, you know, you can't deny video is something that, uh, you know, is, is easy. It's something that a lot of people enjoy. And I think it's a great medium to be able to one, humanize uh, and to consume as well. So that's something that we're leaning into. But from, from a content strategy perspective, that's sort of been, been what it is. And having having that written content as well, I don't disregard it yeah. because it's important from an SEO perspective, from a search, like that's that's super still super important. It's it's the bread and butter of you know what your content strategy needs to be. So we're looking at at, at stuff like that. I mean, where I would like to move is like into um, into into more interactive content. Um, you know, in previous lives, I've done apps and I've done games and uh, you know <laughs> magazines and 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 stuff like that. And I, I, I you know, content is the heart is at the heart of what I do. I think it's at the heart of marketing, frankly. Yeah. Um, and that's where 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 I think I would like to move. And I think there's room for that, mm -hmm. but just. I have to also consider where Influ2 is at from a, a business stage perspective in the market. And that's that's sort of where we're where we've been at and, and how the strategy's sort of been. Totally. I I'm a huge video fan. I mean, this is demand gen radio, but as you know, we're basically, you know, syndicating the content to demand gen TV, our YouTube right. channel. So we record it as a video, as you and I are doing for the people who rather watch on YouTube. And that's a smaller percentage uh, relative to the people who want to listen because let's face it, it's just you and I, two talking heads. We're not doing any show and tell. We will have you back to do the product, which is very relevant for YouTube because we can see it um, as opposed to talk about it. Right. But whether it's a podcast or whether it's a YouTube, the cost of entry from a technology and hosting perspective is nothing. I mean, my yeah. I, we're working on our uh, budget for next year. The line item for podcast hosting for us is under $180. I mean, it's such a 
nothing cost. The software that I'm using right now to record it is free. We're using a Zoom license as well for the video and that which is under $200 for a full-fledged license. So if you're not doing audio and video in your mix, um, now's the time to do it. I remember making videos with my girls, you know, ages ago, and I would record it on a handy cam that recorded to a CD-ROM that we had right. to pull it off the CD and, and digitize it and then find a video editing software, which they, none of them were free back then, none of the good ones. And, no, it, and no. it took forever, hours to make a little video with my kids. We love doing that. So now there's just no excuses. It's a, it's a interesting part of the mix. And I've seen folks like at Vidyard and others do personalization at scale. So if you want to do personalized videos, you can do that. We're seeing certainly direct mail at scale uh, from a personalization uh, standpoint. It's, you know, if our kids can write and create, I mean, young kids on Instagram yeah. and YouTube and TikTok, shame on any marketer who's not putting this uh, in the mix, because this is where this audience, this today's modern uh, marketing is is geared around for sure uh, in that area. Yeah. What? Um, let's talk about sales, because they're a huge part of the equation. You're launching these ABM programs. You developed a target account list. Did you develop that with sales? And then from a program perspective, how is the partnership working with sales in terms of what their responsibilities are in the campaign? I'm curious to know how you got them ready for it, explained it uh, to them, and had them uh, participate, if you can share. So from a sales perspective, our account executives, um, they sit separately, but then looking at, okay, well, how how is that campaign performance going and being able to check in uh, and see what, you know, essentially our, our executive account executives are selling our tool. So being able to prove how that tool works and being able to demonstrate it throughout the sales process is actually in their best interest. So we kind of have a unique angle around yeah. that right of, of of them having some interest and that that is how that communication is working um with what we're doing now in, in being more broader brush i think we have an opportunity to be able to increase that level of communication and then this also comes back to what we were discussing earlier around having the data having an understanding of where uh where our accounts and prospects are sitting or opportunities are sitting and how they're progressing and then being able to communicate as a team and understand how we're you know, how we're working, yeah. um, you know, collectively. And I don't, I think there's opportunity and there's, I think there's always opportunity to be able to improve. But fundamentally for me, I actually think that, um, you know, if if the ultimate goal is uh, customer experience, because that's essentially what you should be looking at, oh, yeah. right? It's, it's experience is everything. Mm -hmm. um, being able to have that, I think is going to require uh, marketing and sales and sales development to be able to come together holistically and and sit together holistically because really uh, and it's interesting I've been having these conversations lately um, for me this is kind of I, I came from I worked with input within professional services and that's how professional services structure their teams you know you have a um, a pod, if you like, of people who have different skill sets, but they're not necessarily from the same skill set. Like uh, we, I was in sort of uh, customer strategy consulting. So, you know, you would have, uh, I, I had a marketing background. You'd have someone who had customer strategy, someone who did CX or UX or whatever it was. And we came together and we worked together for one client to be able to pull together what we needed. And someone within that team uh, was in charge of the sale and building relationships and so on and so forth. And so it was like this pod team. And I kind of think that 
uh, in B2B, that's what needs to happen in terms of structure, because if you really want to look at that experience that you want to deliver, having uh, teams that sit in silos, um, they're always going to have different goals. They're always going to have different um, masters essentially to answer to. But if you put if you put them together and you work collectively, that for me is actually cool. That is account-based marketing because then you're looking at, you know, you have a number of accounts, you work collectively on them, you understand how they're progressing and you're working collectively towards that. But maybe that's my uh, utopian view. Yeah, of I, the no, I, it's, it's where the name demand came from when I coined the phrase a long time ago. Wow. It's, it's almost two decades ago. That's amazing. Um, it was because I had a sales and marketing meeting on Friday and right. we always showed up as like two teams sitting on different right. sides of the table. And I'm like, shouldn't feel like this culturally, operationally. So we called it the demand gen meeting. I rebranded right. it, you know, did a double click all of, you know, all occurrences, renamed it, hit it, sent back yep. out. And, and I talked about, uh, culture of this growth. Now, Mia and I, Mia uh, works, um, heads up our marketing team within BDO Digital. Um, she's a former client. She and I worked together for years, the team. Then we recruited her to come and uh, lead marketing for us. And so she and I have been putting together, as I mentioned, our budget for next year. We have yeah. another meeting about it tomorrow. And we've put a BDR team into our budget. And this is essentially like year two for us. First year was our build year, hiring our marketing team, standing up our stack, putting all the basics in place. We're now launching campaigns, which is great to see, you know, the scoreboard and, and the results of it. And so now we're saying, okay, now that we're generating demand and generating inquiries and MQLs, we can throw these over the fence to sales, all scored and nurtured, of course, or we could have a BDR team because some of our webinars are getting hundreds of people to right. attend them. And not all of those are qualified, as you know, to go to sales. So we're gonna put a BDR team in place as our vision to basically take the inquiries and MQLs, validate them a little bit more, do some of the early parts of the sales process, and then take them and pass them over to the account executives. I prefer that model where possible, yeah. where budgets uh, support it. And, and that's the direction it looks like we're, we're going to head as well. Let's talk again yeah. about sales in terms of you know being part of the growth team. Mm -hmm. What I always say when I'm doing workshops for marketers, and there's some coming up is, inspect what you expect. You can't set anything and forget it. We talked about the database earlier. Same thing with sales. You go do a training. Here's what the campaign looks like. Here's your roles, duties, communication. Look, you got to inspect what you expect because they may not use the CRM as you outline for them. They may not use the sending tools as you outline for them. They may not use the content that you have crafted for them uh, and other things. So what are you doing in terms of making sure that the vision becomes reality? Yeah, I mean, we, that's the thing. I think that's where I think our opportunity is to improve because a, what we're doing or what we have been doing is we've been pushing out a lot of stuff. And, you know, I think, I don't think I'm unique from that no. perspective. I think a lot of marketers are sort of head down, bum up, getting going through stuff. And then you get something done and you're like, okay, cool. cool. Off now. to the next thing. Yeah. Like, right, next, next. And you just, you're like, okay, cool. Hopefully, hopefully they're running around it. You come back. Um, you know, you come back around in like a month or two or whatever it is to check and see, and then you find the problems. I think one of the things, so similar to, to your meeting, one of the things that um, I'd set up at uh, like our previous, uh, my previous company that I work for, a company called Bombora, um, was a smarketing meeting. And I've been trying to get that word to work. Yeah, I like it. 
like uh, for the longest since I started with Bumbora. So we had a marketing meeting every week, and that got as it got everyone into the room talking about different things, looking and working on different pieces of content. Um, at Influ2, we have something called our values and strategy, which is on, uh, you know, we have, we go through different uh, customer case studies or pain points of uh, from our CS team. We'll go through any updates of things that are happening from a marketing perspective. And then we'll look at any sales wins and things like that. We've yeah. also started to set up more alerts in our Slack channels as well and around communication of our wins and things like that. And I think we have the opportunity to get much more granular in terms of, uh, you know, okay, well, week to week, how are we working? What's, you know, what's moving, what's not, and so on and so forth. But that's, that's I guess, the thing that comes with uh, maturity and sophistication as, you know, we've, we're still in that sort of setup mode, as you said, as well, to some degree. Um, and so being able to have some of those foundations, I think will really help to be able to hone what we need to in the coming coming years, essentially, from that perspective. But we're, uh, you know, still a work in progress. I, I want to ask one last question, which is when there's a win, closed one, yay, uh, whose win is it and how do you celebrate it? I guess that's two questions. Um, so what RCRO, he, what Joe, his name is Joe McNeil, what he's been doing is he has been, um, pulling it in, tagging and celebrating, um, you know, whoever the AE is, um, acknowledging our CS team, if they contributed, acknowledging our legal team. And then also he sort of, he tags, whether it's an inbound or outbound, uh, lead as well. So, you know, that, so we have that acknowledgement from a marketing perspective, uh, in, in there as well. But I think, you know, that, that to, to your point, that question, it is about us all owning those because you, you take some, it's just human nature. You take pride yeah. in something that you've worked on. You take pride in being able to give value back. And I think that's something that's super important. And it's good that he's been, he's looping different people in and acknowledging them yeah. because I think that helps, that helps, you know, us want to propel even more. Yeah. So that's, that's sort but of what the, uh, I would think there's a few marketers out there listening to this uh, that are envious because it's it's fun to market marketing technology to marketers. It sounds super <laughs> redundant, but it's yeah, I think it's the only way to say it. And you know, in, in my practice, which is now over 15 years, what we would always do with prospects like yourself. So let's say we're talking to you, Narosha, and you're saying, "Hey, um, I have X, Y, and Z, and I'm looking for an agency to help me." We would start with the art of the possible. We'll show how we do what we do here. We show our scoring methodology. We show how we do nurturing. We show how we operationalize the funnel. We literally will show how Contact Us Forms work through our Marketo instance and arrive in our CRM and what the role of sales. We So we do that because we just know if we show what we do, because we do it well, somebody like, yeah. I want all that. How do I do all that? Well, hire us right. and we'll, we'll help you set all that up. So for you to practice what you preach and then be out there marketing a product, which is, hey, you can do this too. You just need Influto. I guess that's a little, right. little rhyme there or something that sounds yeah. like it. Um, thank you so much for for taking time with me on a Monday. I know it's a different day for for everybody else, but uh, I was excited to talk to you and and hear thank how you. you're progressing in your role and how the team is doing. And like you said, you've got a challenge ahead of you. Influ2 is not known, especially in America, as a B2B platform. you got a ways to go. So I'm glad you were out there now uh, bringing awareness and reaching out to folks like me to help bring more awareness. And let's follow this up and get a demo on the channel on demand gen 
uh, TV. So thanks. Stick around for a second. Let me say bye to these guys. Hey, everybody, thank you for tuning in to Demand Gen Radio or Demand Gen TV, if that's where you are. Um, I took a look at the stats the other day, and I noticed that of our listeners, about 30% of you are subscribed. So that means only, you know, we got 70% of you to hit that subscribe button to make sure that you don't miss an episode. We do the podcast pretty much on a weekly basis, unless I am traveling, uh, and we put up episodes on Demand Gen TV as well. Fastest way to get to, if you're on Demand Gen TV right now, you know, fastest way to get there is search for the word Demand Gen on YouTube, or just go to demandgen.tv instead of demandgen.com.tv will take you to the channel where you can subscribe. And then if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, I think we're pretty much on all the major podcast platforms, Spotify, iTunes, what have you. So um, do hit that subscribe button. And a few of you, and I always like to sprinkle this in every now and then, I love hearing from you. So a little note on LinkedIn saying, Dave, keep up the good work, or hey, here's some suggestions for how to make these, how to make the content better. I'll take all of it. Um, and I want to thank Narosha again for, for joining the program. If you guys want someone to powwow with, look Narosha up on LinkedIn. Uh, a link to her bio is in the description below. That's going to do it for this episode. We'll catch you guys on the next one. You've been listening to Demand Gen Radio, bringing you the top industry experts, thought leaders, authors, marketing technology firms, and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high-performance marketing. 